0: One of the biggest themes I think that turns up in birth trauma all the time is women uh, not being able to stand in their power. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time it's women and we see this a lot with first births is women turning up to their first birth as the good girl. Yeah. So, you know, those younger parts of us that want to be liked and want to do the right so thing me. and yeah, that was totally me as well um, and that want to, you know, want want it to go well but actually uh, often are not standing in that fear centre that says a no. To something or mm-hmm. they're sitting in a lot of fear and can't find that trust within themselves or you know they're choosing care providers that kind of treat them like the little girl version yes. of themselves and that's how it plays out so I think one of the biggest themes I've seen is definitely women um, not being able to find or access the power and the strength within them to actually have very clear no's around what they want or to make choices that feel in alignment with who they really are. Oh.
1: everyone and welcome back to No Place Like Home. I'm Jess and we're here with Larissa. Hello and the wonderful Lale Stone mm-hmm. who I I'm sorry it is your turn to talk, but I just want to say <laughs> fangirl moment. Um, sometimes in my career, and obviously I'm younger than you, but sometimes I do so much and I feel a bit flaky because I've done this and I've done that and it all ties together. But sometimes I feel like it must look flaky. But then I look at you and you're you're the same. You've got all this stuff going on and I don't for a second think it's flaky. I think it's amazing. You're a powerhouse. Mm. So it's so wonderful for me to be able to look at someone like you and go, oh, everything's okay. You're amazing. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm
0: happy to be here.
1: Amazing. Um, um, Lael, maybe
2: talk to us a bit, introduce yourself and maybe just let our listeners know... Mm. Like Jess has said, a bit of everything that you do, but um, I think we're really interested today to talk about a couple of particular
1: topics. Mm. Especially your births and your postpartum Mm. experiences and how that's Mm. informed everything you do now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it actually has. You know, yeah. I think I often get asked the question, how did you come to do the work you do? And it really is because of my children, actually. So so today I call myself an author, an educator and a speaker. So I spend a lot of time travelling all over Australia talking about emotional awareness, emotional intelligence. Uh, I work with the wonderful The Resilience Project. I do a lot of work with them around talking to parents about connected parenting. I spent um, I spent about 15 years working in birth. So for a long time I was a doula and a child childbirth educator. I taught calm birth for a long time and then ended up working a lot with postnatal trauma. So I found myself seemed to attract a whole lot of people that had had really tricky birth experiences. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of work of counselling with them. Uh, I worked as an aware parenting instructor for a long time so I ran workshops and worked one-on-one with people and uh, then again as my children grew I found myself teaching sex ed to teens for about five years so I worked in secondary schools oh yeah I've got many fun stories about that so I worked my way from birth all the way through to kind of (laughs) the toddler early years school age kids then teenagers so I worked with teens for a long time. Um, and then about three years ago I actually opened up my own school uh, called Woodline Primary in series just out of Geelong, which is a school based all on emotional awareness and choice and autonomy and non-punitive discipline and really getting um, kids back into nature and connection. and So incredible. And really about, I guess, creating a schooling experience where children are free to be who they need to be and to learn in ways that they love learning. And so that was a huge chunk of my life, creating that. Yeah. Um, I wrote a book had a podcast for a long time you know, and really amongst all that my, my main job really has been a mum you know I've got three beautiful kiddos uh, they're 23 20 and 15 and I often say that no matter what I've studied or learned my greatest teaching has been my children it mm-hmm. has been through parenting them or trying to parent them with as much consciousness as possible has really shaped actually everything I've done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before I actually even had my first child, uh, I was a children's entertainer. That was my first <laughs> company I started when I was 20. I've always been the type of person to go, I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to do my own yeah, thing. Right, so I started my own business at 20. Um, you know, this was way back when the Wiggles first began. This is how old I am. And, um, and we, yeah, I used to entertain kids at and put on big shows and. I'd get busier and then I hired people. And for nearly seven years, I had um, that company, which was, you know, as a young mum at the time, I, I just think, my God, what on earth was I doing? It was pretty shoddy business. <laughs> you do that, don't you But, though? you know, you, you back yourself and you, you know, I think yeah. your naivety works for you really mm-hmm. well. Um, so I had that company for for many, many years and then ended up um, having my second child and had a really powerful, beautiful birth experience with her. And, and that's what actually made me close my business and want to work in birth. So that's a kind of roundabout story of all the things I've done and where I've got to. But really I think I've been working with families and and in this space for, you know, close to 20 years now.
2: Amazing. I know that um, myself and John did your Parenting Immersion mm-hmm. course and I have to say for anyone out there, it is one of the most powerful things that John and I have ever done. Mm-hmm. It has completely changed our dynamic mm-hmm. of our household um, and the kids are just really benefiting from mm-hmm. having two parents that, you know, mm-hmm. we were like, Oh, I don't think we're doing this that great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank I have you. just really loved that course. Mm-hmm. So thank amazing. you. Thank you. Um, if we can just go back to it's a hot topic at the moment, obviously, mm-hmm. with the birth trauma inquiry going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I suppose um me being um, not naive but not knowing a lot about a lot in this space mm-hmm. and only having my own experiences, I think it's been quite eye-opening to understand what birth trauma is mm-hmm. um, because I think I have always had sort of the understanding that it's the tearing and the blood and the this and the that mm-hmm. and it's more of the visual side of it and, mm-hmm. um, can you lay just sort of for a lot of women out there that probably don't understand what birth trauma is and may have actually experienced birth trauma but don't know that, that they really have happened. yeah mm. um, what does that mm. what does that look like?
0: Well, I think I mean as a as a top level um, statement, so to speak, birth trauma is really any space where a woman feels like she was traumatised through her birth experience, Mm. which can be through the pregnancy. It can be the Mm -hmm. care she receives in the pregnancy or, um, you know, complications that happen. It can be the birth. It could equally be in that postnatal phase as well. And birth trauma looks like many different things to many different people. You know, birth trauma can be not getting an epidural in time. Birth trauma can be Mm -hmm. actually having an epidural and thinking Mm -hmm. that they didn't want one. Birth trauma can be tearing. It can be having a cesarean. It can be actually an emergency in birth. It can be not feeling supported by your partner through labor. It can be obstetric violence, you know, and being treated really poorly. It can be a lot of women I've worked with have had birth trauma purely because they didn't have an understanding of what the birthing process was actually like. You know, they didn't do any education. So then when they got into the actual birth, they went into so much shock because of what was happening in their body and they didn't understand. Uh, Birth trauma can be be a cascade of interventions. You know, we start with one thing that leads to the next and leads to the next that can mm. cause a lot of birth trauma. Birth trauma actually can be many, many things. things and I've, yeah. I've heard, you know, when I first actually started working in birth, um, I really wanted to know what made for, for good birth, a uh, positive birth for women, because I'd had a, a tricky first birth experience and then a really second powerful birth experience.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask what So, your-
0: yeah. So I wanted to know kind of what it was that really you know, made that that difference between feeling good about your birth and not. So when I first started working in birth, I went and interviewed hundreds of women on their birth stories. And and this was, I would rock up at the park and there'd be another woman and I'd just walk up to her and go, hey, I'm just kind of collecting research. Do you want to tell me about your birth? And I have my notepaper and pen. Every single woman wanted to tell me about her birth, every single woman. And And I heard hundreds of stories. And what was so fascinating to me was there was one woman who would tell a story that was like yeah, I got induced for every birth and it was amazing and I love my births. And, you know, by the first, fourth baby, they didn't have time to induce me. The baby just slipped out and, <laughs> and I'm sitting there listening. Yeah, you know, yeah, they cut me each time. It was fine. And I'm sitting there like, oh, that sounds horrific, right? But she thought her births were amazing. And then I had another yeah. woman who I would have perceived to have an amazing birth, which she had this water birth at home and it was this and that, yet she held heaps of trauma because of something that happened in the birth. Mm-hmm. So I began to see that it's not so much, again, around what actually happens, it's how our perception of what happens and it also more than anything, and this is what I really learned over the years of working with trauma, is that it usually is just sitting on top of other trauma that sits Mm. underneath So, you know, if we have traumatic experiences in our lives, if we have big stories that are around uh, not being heard or not being listened to or being abandoned or um, not feeling like we are strong or powerful, all those kind of things, well, often they will turn up in the birth space Mm -hmm. and that's often where we see trauma start to play out. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a huge topic and I think it really does come back to nobody can say whether you know we believe we think you've had birth trauma or not it really is about what you perceive to be true what it felt right. like for you you know sometimes the trauma is just being out of control which is you know we're not used to that as women and so mm. i think over all the years and listening to many many uh, women's stories it it can be anything and it's a bit of a a puzzle, you know, when we look at all the different pieces that come together for a woman's birth, and, you know, they'll be able to tell you often which is the part that you keep thinking about, which is the part that really holds the charge for you. And it will be often around something like they didn't listen to me, or I didn't have any idea what was going on, or um, no one gave me the information I needed, or, you know, just the story often unfolds, which is usually bigger than the birth.
2: Is there generally Lael, a a common theme that you found working with women over a period of time, was there there sort of a a regular thing that you were finding that, yep, okay, every woman is coming Mm. to me with this Mm. sort of similar situation or...?
0: One of the biggest themes I think that turns up in birth trauma all the time is women uh, not being able to stand in their power. Mm. So a lot of the time it's women and we see this a lot with first births is women turning up to their first birth as the good girl. Yeah. So, you know, those younger parts of us that want to be liked yeah. and want to do the right it's thing so me. and yeah, that was totally me as well. Um and that want to you know want want it to go well but actually uh, often are not standing in that fear center that says a no to something or Mm -hmm. they're sitting in a lot of fear and can't find that trust within themselves or, you know, they're choosing care providers that kind of treat them like the little girl version of themselves and that's how it plays out. So I think one of the biggest themes I've seen is definitely women... Um, not being able to find or access the power and the strength within them to actually have very clear no's around what they want or to make choices that feel in alignment with who they really are. And unfortunately, and and I wish it didn't have to be this way, but unfortunately I see a lot of women have really tricky first births they go through that trauma and then hopefully they do the work to make different choices second time round, and that second birth can be incredibly powerful and healing for them mm-hmm. so it's I think in our particular present day culture, because we're actually so disconnected from birth, you know, as mm. I think a culture and where we are sitting today, we're actually really disconnected from our bodies, from our power, our innate strength or that kind of stuff that a lot of women go into this first birth as this rite of passage and actually sometimes come out the other side, you know, with trauma and, and. Um, learning a lot about who they are. And, and I think yeah. it is because we're not informed about birth in the way we need to be. We don't see yeah. our sisters and our cousins and the village give birth. You know, we, we still have this Hollywood idea of what we're shown on television of what birth should be and we often go into that and we're often then taught to care more about the pram we have or yes. Oh, yes. what yes. our don't nursery looks started. like yeah. as opposed yeah. to this powerful write a passage experience that can set up that postpartum phase and also then your journey into motherhood. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sorry Jess. I was I'm just full of questions yeah. right now. <laughs> um I suppose you know that really speaks to my first experience. Was your first experience similar in that you know that sort of not knowing Being the good girl, like I know I was like, well, I just, I have to have an obstetrician and I'd have to go to hospital and I, like Mm. these were all, Mm. it's such a good phrase that you've coined Mm. there, that you know, the good girl because that was just so me. Mm. Mm. Was your first experience Mm. not similar but your own experience to that Mm. and then your subsequent Mm. births sort
0: of informed that
2: Mm.
0: empowering within you? For me, um, my first experience, I think I probably wasn't sitting in the good girl part of I have to do tick the boxes was womp, mm. right. I was sitting in complete naivety. So mm. I was twenty-four when I was pregnant, right? Like I was a baby. Like that's nearly how old my child is now, right? Yeah. So and my husband was like, yeah, let's have a baby, it'd be great. Like I, <laughs> I read maybe half a book. That was it. Like yeah, I went yeah. in blind and my my philosophy was this, how hard can it be? It'll just be a day. And so what I was gonna do, I was gonna burn oils. And that was going to save me. was <laughs> so oh, bless. Yeah, yeah. I was going to burn essential oils. I have my nice music. My mum was going to be there. She'd had three cesareans, so she had no idea. She'd never been in labour before. My best mate was there who didn't were you really... you at home? No, no. We no. were going to the birth centre back when they had birth centres. Yeah. Um, my best friend was going to come. She didn't even really know what a uterus was, I don't think. So, like, she didn't have kids. <laughs> like, we were literally the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And really the, the trauma that came from my son's experience was... A lack of information, mm-hmm. you know, lack of education. So, you know, I pre labored for days, you know, didn't rest, didn't eat, like stayed up all night, all those kind of things, and then ended up at the hospital on the third day, just like exhausted. exhausted. And they're like, yeah. well, we can induce you. Didn't know what that meant, but I just ended up going, yep, okay, then we'll have a baby. And so then, of course, I get induced. I wasn't prepared yeah. for what those contractions were like. Yeah. You know, I said I want to do it naturally because I was like a hippie at heart, mm-hmm. but I didn't even really know what that meant or yeah. what it took. And then I was begging for the epidural. And then the epidural game didn't work and then they had to do it again and oh, it, you know and it gosh. was just one of those cascaded interventions you know then end up with a vacuum extraction a episiotomy and mm. you know my son came out and they put him on my chest and I remember just thinking what the f- just yep. happened mm. and you know I was kind of happy that I was a mum but I was definitely in shock and I would probably yeah. say I spent probably the first year of his life in shock and Every time I'd breastfeed him, I'd go to relive the birth again and again. And I know from speaking to so many women that's such a common thing. I'd try and play it over in my head, what had what had happened. I wanted to I just wanted to talk about it all the time. Anyone would listen. I wanted to tell the story, which again now I realise is me trying to process trauma. Yeah. I didn't know how to. Um, all the while you're trying to figure out how to be a mum, mm. right? And at 25, without a village and without any friends that had kids, it was hard. And I was still running my business at the time. So it was it was not a a um, wholesome, nourishing postpartum. The things we
2: do first time round, like Mm. I started my business first time round, Mm. continued to run it as well. Like must be this first time thing. There's
1: always pregnant people bloody renovating or starting businesses.
0: And I think you can we're probably not exposed to what it really is about. I mm. think I think we're still in the Hollywood version of what yeah. having a baby is and playing house and yeah. birth and those kind of things. And it really, I think when I got pregnant with my second child you know, I, I thought I'll go to a different hospital. It'll be different this time. So each time I'd go for a checkup, I'd start hyperventilating and my husband would be like, I think you've got some trauma. And I'd be like, yeah, I think so. And that's when I actually went and did some debriefing and realized what was missing from that first experience. And, and really for me, it was that continuity of care. It was education, information, all that kind of stuff. So um, I made different choices. Second time had a home birth doctor and a midwife and had my second baby at home. And, You know, I'm one of those people that labours long and hard. Like my shortest birth was 19 hours. Like I don't do quick birth. I have to like... Process out, every, oh, my God. It's like running a marathon. I have to process every feeling and emotion that's there existing in my body before I can have a baby. Like I cry and then I moan and complain and then I walk around. And, oh, my God, it's like it's epic. It's massive. It's like oh, I am that. so drunk. I'm like a four-year-old having like a massive tantrum for like did you
1: days. Beg, did you beg to go to the hospital during your home? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, we were. We were about to go and then I my water's broke and then I was like, quick, there's the head, let's yeah. go. Um. Oh, yeah, everything. I When I used to teach childbirth education, I'm like, there is nothing that you think that you're going to say that I haven't said. Like I yeah. wish I had video footage of it because I was like, oh, it was painful. Well, anyway. <laughs> the business of being born, you know, the Jocko yeah. the business of being yeah. born, there's that doula. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, like, yeah. That's it, me. That's it. Yeah, this is yeah. horrible. Totally, yeah. totally. But it was interesting that the moment I gave birth to Indy, my second child, um, and I held her in my arms, the feeling I had was this, this is how it's meant to feel. Oh. That feeling of euphoria, that feeling of power and strength. I had never felt so powerful in my whole life, ever. It was like I know I, that feeling. You can do anything. I can do anything. anything. And I, and again I wanted to tell everybody because I was like, did you know what I just did? <laughs> like that was the most epic thing ever. And that really ignited this fire in me of, like, I want women to have that experience. Mm. And so that's kind of what got me working in birth. And then interestingly, my third baby was really the doozy, right? So by that time, you know, she, it was five years later that I had her. I'd been working in birth. I was a doula. I was teaching calm birth. I was probably actually a little bit arrogant, I think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> and I really was like, if you do all of this and you do the work, then you'll have the birth you want. And so for my third baby, I was like, right, not just a home birth, I'm gonna go up the bush to my mum's place in the country and have the baby on the land. Like I was like, oh, we're wow. doing we're gonna have the full hippie experience. Free it, birth or no, no, I had a midwife. Yeah. But um and what was really interesting is in that third pregnancy, I remember saying, and this is possibly one of the stupidest things to ever say, so don't ever anybody ever say this. <laughs> but I actually said, I want this birth experience to show me the woman I am. That's Ooh. what I asked
2: for. That's a big message to the universe, Leo. Yeah, it is.
0: And boy, did I get it. Yeah. Oh. Right. Now, I thought in my mind, show me the woman I am yeah. would mean like roaring my baby out, yeah. you know, on the land and whatever. Well, that didn't happen. So what happened is we went up to the bush, waited. I, I you know, I'm pregnant for freaking 42 for so long and uh, baby didn't come and so we went back to Melbourne and we're waiting, waiting, finally going to labour and I uh, ring my midwife. She comes over, you know, I'm contracting. It just feels wrong. I keep saying it doesn't feel right. There's something different here. I keep saying to her over and over again, I feel like my cervix is bubbling. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, she comes over, checks me out and she's like, I think your baby's breech. And I'm oh. like, oh. She's like, we need to go to the hospital. So we transferred to the hospital and sure enough had an ultrasound and there was my little footling breech baby, which I somehow don't know how I did not pick that up. But anyway, and I, you know, you just kind of. And then I was like, wow, so here we are faced with this other thing, you know, of, you know, I'd, I'd birthed my baby's vaginally before, the hospital's like, you should have a caesarean. I was like, no, I want to try and give it a go. It oh, wow. you know, was a lot of pushback from the hospital, but I had a really strong team. I knew what I was doing. I was like, no, I need to give this a go. So then for the next day and a half, I laboured and did everything I knew to try and, oh, you know, wow. to bring her down and to birth. I mean, I did everything. I was like up and down flights of stairs. And for someone who does not like exercise, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, this <laughs> torturous. My is like five more steps and I just want to punch her out. Anyway, I did everything I could and then I finally went, I think after 36 hours or something, I'm like, I know enough to know that when breech babies happen, they're usually pretty straightforward if it's going to go well. Mm-hmm. There's nothing straightforward about this. So I can only presume that wow. this baby wants to be born by caesarean. And it was a really powerful experience because it was me who actually decided to do it, not mm-hmm. being told from the hospital 36 hours earlier you need to have a caesarean. It was really me going no, this, I've done all I can now because I know if I had have had that Caesar earlier I would have gone, well, maybe I could have birthed her yeah. and, you know, I had to do it for myself and that was the power. The power was actually mm-hmm. going, I've yeah. got to find this and do it. So then we're like, all right, let's, let's have a caesarean. I was like, right, we're going to make this the most beautiful caesarean ever. We're going to have a lotus birth. It's going to be beautiful. We're all excited. And as we're waiting to go to theatre I feel this urge to push mm-hmm. and her foot comes out. Oh, no. Yeah, and I'm like, What? Maybe she doesn't want to be born by cesarean. And I'm like, okay. So then we're pushing but then I'm saying to my midwife, it doesn't feel right, like I I don't know. And then I'm like, nah, we need to go to theatre. So it was really, it was, it was pretty full on. Wow. Anyway, we raced to theatre and by this time it kind of turned into a bit of a, yeah, this is probably not ideal that her foot's hanging out and we don't know if she's going to come out. Like we need to get the baby out. So she was fine the whole time. Baby was fine. We get to theatre and, you know, when you're having an emergency caesarean where it is a bit of an emergency, it's pretty full on and, and your natural reaction is to go into shock, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, we're having the baby, let's do it. And I'm really, really sensitive to drugs and as soon as they gave me the spinal, I, I just crashed. And so then oh. they had to cut the baby out and it was that became oh, the emergency. Wow. So my baby was born and she wasn't breathing and so they had to resuscitate her for nearly 10 minutes, which was pretty massive and and so, you know, she was born, and they're saying to me, it doesn't look good for her. And I'm like all of a sudden sitting there going, "What the f- have I done? Like yeah. where is this at, right? So then um, I have the cesarean, it's all fine, they stitch me up, they take the baby away, I'm I'm going to my husband, go with the baby and they wouldn't even let him come, they're like this is quite severe. So they basically took the baby to the NICU and they had to intubate her and and put her in an induced coma because they're like, you know, she's been without oxygen for a long time, you know, we think that this is, you know, we're not sure how this is going to go. So it was one of those experiences where all of a sudden, ...you know, you, you're tracking along going, okay, yeah, I'm making decisions... ...this feels good, this is where it is... ...and then it just phew, yeah. switches in that way. So that night, she was born about four in the afternoon... ...that night the doctors come down and, you know, I am drugged... ...because you've had a cesarean and I'm mm. probably still in shock... ...and they're saying to me, um, look, she's not great... ...and we don't know if she'll make it through the night... ...and if she does, she'll probably have pretty severe brain damage... And so I am there in that hospital bed just going, okay, like this is where we're at. And what was really, and the, and this is probably the most powerful experience I've ever had in my life. So then my husband who's been up for three days birthing, is passed out on the floor, I am sitting there thinking, this is the defining moment that you have in life where you really learn about surrender. Mm-hmm. And even though I was drugged and couldn't move off the bed, I metaphorically got down on my knees and Mm. it's like I surrendered and went, I let go. Mm. Whatever's meant to happen here, I have to surrender to this. And I remember so clearly just completely going, I don't know what is happening with life here, but I have to trust that there is a bigger picture for this. So I remember just letting go and then... I think I was crying. I was really emotional. And this midwife came in to check on me and she said, Are you okay? And I said, I'm and this is the part that's probably gets me every time. Mm. She said, I said to her, I'm waiting for them to come and tell me that my baby's about to die. Mm. And she's like, Have you seen your baby? I said, No. And she said, Right, we're gonna take you to her baby to your baby. And when anybody I get interviewed all the time, and one of the questions I get asked is you know, has a has a stranger ever done you something, a beautiful act of kindness or something? And I always think about this midwife. I don't know who she was. But I feel like she saved my life that night because she's like, this is going to hurt but we're going to take you to see your baby. And so she got me in the wheelchair and she took me up to see my baby who's like, you know. Mm. And I remember touching my little Tali and I said to her, if you need to go, you can go. Like I... I trust you. I trust whatever you need to do. I'm going to just l- I'm going to hand this over. And um and so then I came back down and then in the morning my husband woke up I mean, he'd kind of been around with all of this as well. And I said, please go and check on her. And we both had this feeling if she made it through the night, she'll be all right. So he went and checked her and he came down and she's like, she's still here. And I was like, okay. And then I just moved into, right, here's the opportunity... ...where you either buy into the fear or you choose to trust. Mm -hmm. And I went, right, this is about trust. I have to let go and see her as well and healthy... ...and doing whatever she needs to do. And you know, the doctors kept coming in and they kept saying, Oh, this is bad. And before they'd even say anything, I'd go, Before you tell me anything, is she okay? And they'd go, She's she's stable for now and go, Great, now tell me what you want to yeah. hear. Yeah. So then I could hear it. And I would, you know, be listening and and they're saying, you do get the severity of this? And I'm like, yeah. And and then they would say things like, you know, she could have brain damage. And I was like, that's okay. And they're like, how do you know it's okay? Now, what is the biggest blessing is our best friends had a son who he has passed now who had cerebral palsy and had severe brain damage. And we had spent maybe 15 years of life with them and with Oscar. And I knew what that life looked like. We did every holiday with them. And I was like, that's okay. I know what that life is, it's hard, but it's also okay. And I'm like, I'm going to just trust and let go. So after a few days, they take her off the cooling mats and take her out of the coma and they cannot believe that she's breathing on her own. And then they're doing all these tests and I'll never forget the head fellow of the Royal Women's Hospital came to me and he said, in my 30 years of medicine, I have never seen a baby recover like this. And I was like, yeah. So then after 10 days we took her home and there was nothing wrong with her and I came out the side of that, uh, that uh, the other side of that experience going, yeah, so I asked for that experience to show me the woman yeah, I was. Next time
2: I make a declaration, yeah, yeah. I'm just going
0: to think about So that. I used to then say to women in birth, I go, just ask for simple. Like yeah, you know yeah. when you're writing a birth plan? Simple and uncomplicated is what you yeah. want to go for, right? None of this powerful I want to be, you know. So that experience which was life-changing and definitely then put me on a path of understanding trauma because from her journey when I brought her home I knew enough about birth and about trauma to know that that's a big trauma for her as a baby and it was a big trauma for me. And I was like, how are we going to heal this? And that's actually when I discovered the work of Dr. Aletha Salter and Aware Parenting and began to understand that babies can heal from trauma and so can we. And that's what actually then set me off on that whole other path of of healing and learning. And, you know, it wasn't easy. I had to go through my own journey and story of... um, of PTSD with that you know like I kind of went into survival three kids navigating everybody and then about a year later or so that's when kind of I started to have those symptoms of PTSD and and again that was the greatest gift because it actually taught me about healing and about trauma and I had to go into every deep part of myself to heal it and as I tell this story now which I know is a big story to tell Mm-hmm. I would not change one single part of that story. Yeah, well, it was the biggest gift of my life. That saying you don't
1: get the birth you want, you get the birth you need. Yeah. I just couldn't stop thinking of that the whole yeah. time you were telling that story because look, yeah. at, look at what's yeah. grown from that.
0: Totally. Well, all my my life's work has grown yeah. from that experience. Yeah. and And then it was really fascinating, you know, as I was still working in birth at the time, I seemed to keep attracting women that either would have... Um, their babies might pass that was stillborns or babies born early or there was you know babies that needed open heart surgery or I just I think because I'd been through that I was like I can sit in this space mm. it does not scare me mm-hmm. I know how big and heavy it is but I I believe that there can be beauty and grace in mm-hmm. all these things and so then I did a lot of work with women that had had that and then trauma and and it was it was the greatest gift for me that birth experience and um you know, she is now a very sassy fifteen-year-old <laughs> who is so smart and switched on. And you know, I look at her and go, "Your birth pretty much just sums up you." Like yeah, it's yeah. it's her to a T. Yeah. And I'm like, and I feel like that was kind of the journey she chose. You know, and um, it it was. It taught me more about myself and birth than any anything I could have mm-hmm. possibly learned. Mm.
1: Incredible.
2: Thank you so much, Lael. That was just, I'm really grateful. You thank you for tears, sharing so. that. Yeah, because <laughs> you're right. It's not, it is a heavy story, um, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of women out there that it resonates with or can relate or have experienced similar in their mm-hmm. own journey. So um, thank you. Next episode, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about your work mm-hmm.
1: and all the beautiful things that you do. Mm-hmm. So Thanks. thank you. Thanks. This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and their guest speakers. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. This podcast is for informational purposes only and content here should not be taken as medical or professional advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any personal recommendations and medical care. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate based on the best available information at the time of recording, we welcome any comments, suggestions or feedback via our website contact form home.com.au forward slash contact names and details of personal experiences may have been changed to allow for anonymity and privacy to join the conversation join us on social media at home postpartum